three, and uh, you're listening to the one two three show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Thursday afternoon. So let's turn to our uh, very first topic and guest of today. In the next fifteen minutes or so, we'll be talking about our mental health because, as we hear always on the one two three show, that uh, health is wealth, and the mental side of things uh, are just as important as our physical health. And in particular, this afternoon, we're focusing on the effects of the new wave of the pandemic with Dr. Eslin Teragina, a chartered psychologist and also a psychotherapist with Mind Balance. Welcome back on the program, Eslin. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Noreen. It's great to be back. Um, I guess a little uh, corona fatigue like everyone else's with this third wave, but yeah, otherwise working from home and resettling into that routine. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's exactly that. People are probably quite tired in general and also quite tired of the coronavirus. I mean, um, how are some of your clients feeling or what what sorts of reports have you been hearing? Well, I think in general, everybody can relate to just being exhausted. I mean, the new regulations, they are, um, you know, of course, are stricter than they were before. And things like that. So uh, this comes after a period where we were actually starting to lift some of the restrictions, right? So there was a bit of a relief and the hope that, you know, this would all soon be over. And now we've gone backwards, of course. So yeah, that puts a big strain on anyone's mental health and um, a sense of anxiety, confusion, not knowing what the future will bring. Uh, and just very, very low mood for a lot of people in general. Um of a, a loss of motivation and then a lack, lack of pleasure in, in doing things that they used to enjoy and also, of course, not being able to do a lot of things that we used to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, and also I remember a month ago we talked a little bit more about readjusting back to working uh, in the office because with the with the coronavirus, many of us had to work from home, but then with things looking a bit brighter in Hong Kong, well, a few, few, few weeks ago, we're looking a bit better and people were starting to resume going back to the office. But now with this new wave, people are having to readjust, to readjust, to readjust back to working back in uh, at home. Um, how might that also play um, on our mental health? Well, it's, it's the constant change that's an issue, right? So um, not only are things constantly moving, constantly changing, we keep having to adapt to new regulations and new uh, ways of working. But then, of course, also we don't know how long this is going to go on for. And I guess um, we kind of feel a sense of loss of control is, is quite typical at the moment because we don't really have any control over what COVID's going to be doing. We have little control over what restrictions are going to be put in place. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the time we feel, to an unusual extent, we feel like we are every, every at the mercy of other bigger decisions, right? Mm. Um, and that loss of a sense of control can uh, really cause a lot of anxiety and, and also depression and just general feeling of of being feeling low. I've also read that for some, um, it can also make people less anxious because of this um, uh, of this fatigue um, people feel like well this is just going to be the norm and and this is just the way it is so they they've actually let their guard down a little bit and they're they're less anxious about the coronavirus does that also make sense in a way um, I think that people numb out yeah, after a while a it's out, a little yeah. bit like yeah <laughs> it's a little bit like seeing a lot of the uh, you know if you see a lot of murders on TV or a lot of um, brutality that eventually we sort of numb out to it and I guess in a way 
even with coronavirus, it works that way, right? We're, we're saying, okay, well, we're washing our hands, we're wearing our masks, and yet the cases are still going up. So there's almost a, a defeatist sense of, well, yeah, what does it really matter? <laughs> and is this just going to be our new reality? And, and uh, almost a surrender to that. Yeah. Um, which, of course, isn't isn't a sign of, of fantastic optimal mental health at all. It's uh, more really, um, it's, it's almost like a sign of um, a, a sort of a, a giving up. Right. Exactly. And because of this sort of new wave of restrictions, more people, I mean, we, we can't even eat outside anymore. So a lot of people are, are just sort of staying indoors a lot of the times, so which is good. You know, we're supposed to be staying indoors, but also for people who, who have pre-existing mental health conditions or even for for regular folks, you know, what are the effects of staying indoors for, for a prolonged period of time? How will it worsen um, our our anxieties or mental health conditions? I think a big part of it is isolation, right? If we're feeling socially disconnected, um, and social interactions for humans um, are a really p- big part of mental health and, and a big part of balanced mental health. So having a strong social network, a strong family network that we can rely on and connect with um, is important for us to make sure we're anchored in, in something and anchored in our in our social environment. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a big part. Um, but I also see that a lot of people just have hopelessness because... We don't know how this is going to affect our economy or, well, we know it's not going to be a positive effect yeah. um, for the most part. And so also worry about the future and, and what the world's going to look like even in three to six months' time. Because um, a lot of people, and myself included, when this all started out in January, were quite hopeful that it would be quickly contained, mm. um, which, of course, uh, it doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. Um, what about this point that you know be- people have have to have a new routine? Basically, this is the the the, the new normal, if you like. How should we go about establishing a, a new routine to to gain that sense of control back? Yeah, that, that's um, actually the key thing that you're bringing up there is really regaining a sense of control in the little things. So what can what can we make decisions over within the parameters of the restrictions at the moment? Um, you know, what can we decide to do? What actions can we take? Um, and it can be very small ones. It could be something about how are we going to spend our time or how are we going to set a boundary between our work time and our so-called home office and our family time and our, our leisure leisure part of the house. Um, and things like that. So really, um, rather than trying to control the big things, looking at controlling little steps and building in activities that make us feel intrinsically happy and joyful. Um, and that can be things like spending time with our, our family, with our kids, with our animals. Um, it can also be spending time on ourselves, you know, doing something creative or really getting around to reading that book that we've been meaning to read, <laughs> yes. things like that. Um a lot of people have turned to puzzles I've seen on Facebook and um, those kind of things just to really, because at the moment we're kind of forced into being at home. We're forced into maybe stepping, taking a little bit of a step back from work. Um, and that can be, that can trigger quite a knee-jerk reaction in many of us and certainly a lot of anxiety. Um, and so trying to regain some of that control and the little things while um, giving ourselves a, a sense of, of pleasure and, and small achievements as well is really important at the moment. Yeah. With, with people sort of living with each other, whether it's couples or, or housemates, sometimes, I mean, you, you crave that c- connection and, and you want to sort of talk to others. But, you know, sometimes it can also be quite overwhelming because you're stuck in the same roof 
the whole time. So <laughs> how how do you go about navigating that really fine line where, you know, like, like for example, I mean, I, I miss having guests in, in, in the studio. I, I miss talking to people face to face. And and it's exactly what you said. We, we need to feel that connection with people. But how do you sort of balance that with someone who sort of needs their own space or if you've got a housemate who who doesn't really want to interact very much um yeah how, how should you navigate that when the other, other family members are blinking too now yeah um no I, I guess um i mean importantly there is uh, a mix of boundary settings um and and a bit of shared vulnerability and just saying you know we, we're all different in our coping strategies um some people prefer to withdraw some people prefer to connect um of course if if you've got one person wanting to connect and the other person want, wanting to withdraw that can lead to some tension but it's something that's manageable through a bit of conversation and also a little bit of vulnerability where we can say look i really am stressed and i need to withdraw you know and maybe we can set time aside later this evening or tomorrow or whenever suits where we can connect you know because you know i understand you're also stressed right so kind of setting a boundary around how we manage our time how we manage our interactions but also being aware that we're not just the only ones who are stressed but also of course the people we're living with will also be experiencing stress and anxiety and just trying to balance out um, how we manage our own time, our own feelings, but also how we manage the feelings and time of the people who live with us. Yeah, Eslin, you touched on a really good point just now. Is that feeling of sort of hopelessness? I mean, for some people, the, the the anxiety also comes from the unknown. You know, we don't know what the long term effects are from the coronavirus. Maybe be it economically or uh, physically. Um, so there's a it's kind of bleak in a way, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, how do you sort of rein in those feelings and, and not let yourself get drowned, um, you know, by the unknown? You, you refuse to, to let the unknown sort of make you scared. How, how do you sort of uh, tell our listeners to, to do that when, when you are worried about the future? Well, I mean, frankly, the unknown is scary. Um, our brains prefer predictability and um, security. So, it's it's probably a combination of allowing some space for those feelings, right? And actually sitting down and sitting with those feelings a little bit, exploring them, exploring what we're really scared of at the core and things like that. Because those feelings have the right to be there. Um, in fact, they probably should be there because we're all going through a period of uncertainty. Um, and, and also a period of grief. Uh, I mean, the knee-jerk reaction we see uh, in other countries, say, for example, the US, where people are really again, wearing masks um, and saying, you know, it infringes on their, their, their freedoms. In a way, the, we, we are experiencing a loss of the freedom that we've known, right? And I'm not saying someone's infringing on our rights to freedom, but because of the fact that we can't just casually go out for a coffee mm. um, and, and sit in a coffee shop with friends, that's a, a freedom we've always known and suddenly that's not available to us. So we'll be experiencing um, a sort of a loss, a sort of a grieving process. So there's a lot of feelings that are allowed to come up in that time and be it frustration, be it depression, be it anxiety and just grief of, you know, now I can't do these things that I used to love doing. So sitting down, sitting with those feelings and then at the same time, once we've given the feelings a bit of space and a bit of attention to then, uh, like I said previously, move towards the little things that we can control, you know, the little choices we can make on a day-to-day basis rather than trying to uh, plan ahead uh, for the next couple of years.
Yeah. Uh, w- one feeling that we didn't touch on, I'd like to also mention, is anger. I've noticed people mm-hmm. are, are quite angry, especially um, when you go down the street and you see people. Well, n- now not so much, but some people don't really wear a mask and they're still sort of going about their regular routine, maybe having a drink. I, I live in Kennedy Town, for example, um, and <laughs> that there are some bars there and-, and people are still sort of standing around, hanging out outside, having a drink. And I just stare daggers at them. I, I feel quite angry. I'm thinking, <laughs> here we are trying to, uh, you know, mask up and, and, and keep our social distancing. There are others sort of breaking the, the rules. Um, and I can't help but feel a little bit angry. And, I'm, and I've seen people take to social media with a bit of a rant. Oh, what, why aren't people? So how do you manage this feeling of anger and be at ease that, you know, we can't control other people. So how do we control our own feelings? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, let's look at the anger and where it comes from, right? It's also part of the grieving process. Anger is a stage of, of grief when you yeah, lose oh, something. Yeah, and that's, that's um, and it's going to be enhanced because uh, not only are we maybe losing something, but we're also sacrificing something, right, by not meeting our friends, by sticking to the regulations. So if we're seeing other people who are not making that sacrifice um, for the greater good, that's going to bring about anger. And then, of course, also the anger of, um, you know, seeing, seeing people do that gathering groups that might actually prolong the sacrifice and the exactly. loss that we're experiencing, yes. right? <laughs> so the anger is absolutely valid to be there. Um, and I think you, you said something important there, which is you, you can't control what other people are doing. And unfortunately, that's pretty much at the essence of how we do manage our anger. Um, you know, acknowledging it and, and understanding where it comes from, but also ultimately looking at, um, you know, what, what what can we change? What can we actually do? And it's not going to be controlling other people's behavior. Um, typically, a Facebook rant has rarely changed anyone's <laughs> strong opinion on anything. Um, so, and, you know, sometimes it's important to vent. Um, it can be very, very... Um, uh, cathartic, actually, if we're meeting with people who are like-minded, who also share in our rant, and they're experiencing some of that emotion. Um, anger is usually secondary emotion for something more vulnerable. Uh, it typically, even in this case, it will probably more likely be anxiety and fear. You know, if, if they're drinking out with their masks off and the cases keep rising, then there's a fear of how long are we going to be stuck in this this sort of limbo zone um, or grey zone and then also uh, maybe a little bit of sadness and a little bit of, of grief so I consider anger typically a secondary emotion to some underlying vulnerability that we're trying to protect. Yeah. Well, I like the point that you also mentioned that we, we need to gain a sense of control, be it, you know, finding time to exercise and just the little things in life and, and, and gratitude also. I, I know oftentimes we complain about technology, but it really is times like these where we, we use technology to connect with other people. I mean, thank goodness for technology that I'm able to get you um, to share your wisdom with our listeners and also technology just to stay connected with friends and family we, we have around the world, even if we have family living in Hong Kong, the chances are many of us aren't able to, to see these family members because of, of restrictions. So That's technology right. is has really prevailed this time, sort of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, well, I mean, with the gratitude um, also comes a sense of empathy, right? So, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I live out on Lantau Island, so we have a lot of space out here. We have a lot of nature and working from home here nice. is, is really not a chore. Yeah. <laughs> But other people will be stuck in very, very small uh, places and 
you know they might be struggling they might be uh, they might have family overseas that that is sick or they might be worried about elderly parents things like that so you know really also making the effort despite our own confusing and stressed feelings to maybe step out outside of that and and just um try and experience some empathy and compassion for some of the other people out there, including people that might be um, violating some of the regulations uh, and really trying to humanize, because I feel like that's what we do a lot on Facebook is we demonize people and mm. we say, oh, these are all, they're all evil, etc. Um, and honestly, even just for our own mental health and our own emotion management, it's helpful to uh, to see the human in that person that has frustrated us and really experience some compassion there um, and try and make a connection rather than just, uh, you know, for, be- for lack of a better word, hating on someone. <laughs> exactly. Um, I was speaking to some of my colleagues in the newsroom and they spoke to um, a-, a man in his 20s and he lives with his sister, his parents and his grandparents. And because his grandparents are sort of in the high risk group, him and his sister in their 20s are working from home and they're not allowed to leave their house, literally on a lockdown in, in a small sort of 500 square feet um, apartment and they can't leave their house because um, their parents are worried about them going out and infecting the grandparents. <laughs> so yeah, and, and yeah. they feel lonely and, and they feel bored and, and trapped, I think, is, is the word also. So that's become yeah, a reality for, for many people, unfortunately. Yeah. And everyone has a different trigger. Some people can handle the feeling of, of being trapped better. For other people, um, that's a really, really big deal. Um, you know, a lot of the triggers are based on our past experiences. So if we've had, uh, if we've experienced feeling trapped in the past, then we might be particularly triggered right now. Or if we've experienced health issues in the past, we might be particularly anxious right now. So really considering that everyone comes from a unique combination of experiences that might lead them to feel differently or feel, um, you know, differently triggered by different things that are happening at the moment. Yeah, well said. Um, Eslin, remind our listeners once again how we can find out more about you and your work. Have you got a website or and a Facebook page? Uh, yep, sure. So um, my website is mind-balance.org um, and that's also my Facebook page Mind Balance HK. Um, there's also, um, I've got a few COVID-19 related resources but also just some other free mental health resources uh, both on my website and also on my Facebook page so if anyone wants to check that out they're very welcome to do so. Excellent. Well, Eslin, it's such a pleasure to speak to you again, and I look forward to uh, chatting with you very soon. And we've been talking to Dr. Eslin Taragina, a chartered psychologist and psychotherapist with Mind Balance. Uh, go to her website and Facebook page for more. Thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thanks, Noreen. Take care.